Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading we heard moments ago, Luke 14, 1 to 11, which begins, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. One Sabbath. One Sabbath. Seems like there's a lot of Sabbath stuff going on in the Bible. There's a lot of Sabbath discussion and controversy, mostly in the New Testament, but it's all over Scripture. We don't talk much using that word Sabbath today, do we? Well, we did in catechism class, third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Poppy paraphrase, go to church, go to church, go to church. Just that simple, go to church. We hear that word Sabbath, and we can't understand what's the big deal. Why are they always fighting about the Sabbath? It's very important for us today to get a grip on what the controversy actually was about. When we talk about the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, we generally fail to look at it in its larger context. In fact, as God has recorded for us the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the third commandment is by far the longest commandment. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We don't think about that context of the third commandment very often, do we? Why not? Well, maybe it makes us uncomfortable. Maybe we just don't understand what's going on. You see, long before there were labor laws to protect people from overworking, long before there were unions guaranteeing workers' rights, God said, you can't work all the time. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not God-pleasing. Set aside a day of rest. It's a very practical thing. Don't work. Rest. You, your spouse, your workers, your laborers, even your livestock. 
Take a day off. Rest. Recuperate. But my friends, it was so much more than just a day of physical rest or rest from your labor. It was a day of rest to be reminded who we are in light of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was the day of spiritual rest. A day to hear the word of God. A day to receive the gifts of God. A day of not working. A day of family, of course. But most importantly, a day that was set apart, made holy by a holy God. By hearing and receiving the holy things of God. The Sabbath is a Saturday. So what are we doing here on church on Sunday? My friends, the Sabbath has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. His perfect life, his obedient death, his glorious resurrection has fulfilled for us all of the law. We live in Lincoln, Nebraska. In many parts of the country, this is not as big an issue or controversy as it is in Lincoln, Nebraska. We have a very large number of Seventh-day Adventists who live in and around Lincoln. Seventh-day Adventists teach, at least on paper, that worship on Sunday is a sin. Some would go so far as to say Sunday worship is the mark of the beast, 666. That's pretty serious stuff, right? How could they have this? By taking a literal reading of God's word and not seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of the Sabbath. By not seeing and believing what is clearly taught in God's Word. Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. Or with regard to a festival. Or a new moon. Or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Christ has fulfilled the law for you. Not only the national law and the ceremonial law, he's fulfilled it all. He's fulfilled the law for you. So... Where does our old Adam or our old Eve now want to take us? Well, if Jesus has fulfilled the law, then I'm free. I'm free to do what I want, to say what I want, to live how I want. The law has no bearing in my life. Oh yeah, Jesus, he took care of that for me. My friends, that temptation is before us. 
with every part of God's law. Not only the third commandment, not only the go to church commandment, but so often this question of Sabbath or going to church pops up and rears its ugly head. I can't tell you how many times in confirmation class over the years we take church attendance at the beginning of class and one of the young confirmands will say pastor we were on vacation last Sunday oh really where did you go and they tell me they're so excited and then I'll say don't they have any churches there and they'll say generally yeah but we were on vacation See how these Sabbath questions pop up? The third commandment doesn't apply if I'm working or playing or on vacation or it was a late Saturday night date or Husker game. And the list goes on and on. People work on Sunday. It's not a sin for people to work on Sunday. But most employers will grant people an hour or an hour and a half off to go to church, if at all possible with the work. And if not, that's why we have Wednesday night church, for that very reason. So people who can't be in God's house have an opportunity to be in God's house. You don't have to be in church on a Saturday. Or a Sunday for that matter. You're free. But the third commandment commands us to keep God's word holy and sacred. We've got a new problem now. I suppose it's a technological problem that the old Adam finally has figured out a way to capture. Well, you know, Pastor, I listen on the radio. I don't come in person. I listen on the radio. You know, Pastor, since that YouTube thing is out there, I can stay in my pajamas. I can eat my post-toasties. I can fast forward through the stuff I don't really like. I can watch it on Sunday night or Tuesday morning, whatever fits into my schedule. And you know, if I can't figure out that YouTube thing, there's always Main Street Living. It's short, it's sweet, about a 10-minute sermon. Oh. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and His Word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. My friends, if you can be in church, if at all possible, be in church. It's that simple. For those who can't come to church, legitimately, the pastors will bring church to you. We do it every week. We do it every day. 
Sometimes we do it multiple times in a day. Why? So that people can hear the word of God and receive it. Cutting ourselves off from the body of Christ. Cutting ourselves off from the Holy Supper. My friends, this is breaking the third commandment. This is despising God's word and preaching. We all do it. We don't have to be home in our pajamas to do it. We can do it right here. By being preoccupied with whatever. This is Satan at work trying to keep you from hearing the word of God. Sabbath controversies will never go away. Not on this side of heaven. Why? Because the old Adam is strong in us. And Satan will work and work and work and tempt and cultivate so that we think we don't need the Word of God or we have found better words than the Word of God. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, my friends, this text... Luke 14, while it talks about the Sabbath and it happens on the Sabbath, is not primarily about the Sabbath. That's part of the point and issue right here today. They were watching him. They were watching Jesus. Why? They wanted to set a trap for him. They wanted to catch him in a lie. They wanted to catch him in a contradiction. They wanted a gotcha moment for our Lord and Savior Jesus. If Jesus didn't understand the rules and regulations of the Sabbath, how could he be a true prophet? How could he be one who represents the rule giver, the one true God? So they try to set up they had a fancy meal. They had a banquet. The uh, man with dropsy just, just happened to be there. Maybe that was a lucky coincidence. Maybe he got a special invitation. Either way, it was obvious that this man was sick. Dropsy, a, a condition where your body retains fluids. Oftentimes your body is horribly disfigured and it presses on your insides until it ultimately kills you. The man was in danger. The man was in pain. All of a sudden, here Jesus is on a Sabbath. And what happens? Jesus asks the religious leaders a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? It's a legitimate question. You guys are experts in the law. Is it legit? He knew that they had been critical of him. They, he knew that they had been critical of the other miracles or healings that had taken place on the Sabbath. He could read their hearts. He knew their evil intent. They didn't care about the Sabbath. 
They were using the Sabbath to further their evil intent. Jesus flips it around. He asked them a legitimate question and they remained silent. You understand the significance of this? When you ask your pastor or a religious leader a legitimate question based on God's word and they have no answer. I'm not talking about, oh, that's a tough one. Let me dig a little deeper and I'll get back to you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they have no answer. My friends, run. 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 Someone who has lots of words on their own, but when it comes to speak the truth of God's word, the truth clearly laid out in God's word, and they have nothing to say, they have no answer. This is more than a red flag. This is a danger for your soul. Jesus, in love and mercy and compassion, wants them to repent, wants them to see the error of their way, wants them to humble themselves before the Word of God. They were so full of themselves, so full of their plots and schemes to get rid of Jesus, they couldn't hear the Word of God. They couldn't see the true reason for the day of rest, God's gift of the Sabbath. So Jesus says, I'll help you out. If one of you has um, an ox or a son that falls into a well on a Sabbath, would you pull him out? Well, of course they'd pull him out. Again, they could not reply to these things. My friends, God's word here in Luke 14 is teaching us what happens. What happens when we are so full of ourselves, when we are so full of our own words, when we are so full of our own hopes and dreams and plans and schemes, when we're so full of ourselves, we have no room for the Word of God, and when it comes to those around us, we can't show them love. We can't show them care. We can't show them compassion. We're incapable of it. Why? Because we're too busy taking care of ourselves. We're too busy worrying about ourselves. Pride and hubris always has a flip side. And that's the sinful way that we treat other people. The two go hand in hand. It's the flip side of the same coin. So Jesus tells a little parable. A little parable about a wedding. You've all been invited to weddings. You know how the seating goes. You've got the head table. And then you've got a few other tables 
that generally have tiny little reserved signs on them. And then you have the tables for everybody else. Have you ever had it where you sat in a spot where you weren't supposed to sit? I have. I'm usually busy thinking about being as close to my guests of who's going to be first to go through the food line. And that's the only thing I'm thinking about. I'm not looking about the reserve signs. What happens when you sit in a seat that's reserved for somebody that's not you? I'm usually clueless. And it's embarrassing on both ends. It's embarrassing for the host couple to have to tell you to get up and leave. And by then, the only seat that's left is the farthest one away from the food line. It's embarrassing for you to have to get up. Jesus is not teaching us here wedding reception etiquette. Although he is teaching that. It does fit. What Jesus is teaching us is to humble ourselves and to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought by assuming the lowest place, maybe the farthest place away from the food line or the keg, to assume the lowest place, to humble ourselves because then, then we can hear. We can hear the person who says, oh, no, no, come sit up here. You don't belong back there. But more importantly, we can hear the word of God. We can hear the word of God for pride-filled, hubris-seeking people like you and me. The problem with the Sabbath and the Pharisees, they were full of themselves. They didn't humble themselves before the Word of God. Jesus sums it up, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. My friends, he's talking about himself. Has there ever been one who has humbled himself more than our Lord and Savior Jesus? King of kings and Lord of lords, second person of the Trinity, the one through whom all things have been made and created. The eternal word, the eternal logos, humbled himself, taking on flesh and blood, being born of a virgin. Being born into this sinful world. Jesus humbled himself for you and for me and for the life of the world. Jesus humbled himself by placing himself under the law of God. All of the commandments, not only the third, all of them. And fulfilling it perfectly. Not breaking the law, not once, not ever. Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't have to die, 
but he freely and willingly humbled himself to a cross, to an old rugged cross, where he bore the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, all sin, for all people, for all time, for every prideful thought, for every time we've turned our backs on the word of God, for every time we've created excuse after excuse after excuse to break the third commandment and then justify ourselves for it. For all of our sin, Jesus bled and died. He gave his life. He took the hit. He became our substitute. The stone-cold body of Jesus was placed in a tomb. His Sabbath rest where he fulfilled the Sabbath for you. And then, on Sunday morning, Jesus, who was dead, came back to life, never to die again. Why do we, be in, why do we want to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. Every time we gather on Sunday, it's like a little Easter as we celebrate Christ's victory over sin, death, and the grave. Do we have to be in God's house on Sunday? No! It can be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The day isn't important. But being here on a Sunday is a bold testimony to the world. I believe in Jesus who rose from the dead on Sunday morning for me. I'll rise from bed even though I might be a little tired. Why? To give thanks to the one true God who humbled himself for me and for my salvation. My friends, there will always be lots of questions and controversy and self-justification with regard to the third commandment and the Sabbath. Satan will not stop. Your old Adam will keep working. Humble yourself before the word of God. Listen to his word. Receive his gifts. Be filled with his forgiveness, life, and salvation. And hear these words from the Apostle Paul from our epistle for today. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace my friends may God grant this to us all for Jesus sake Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, 
keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our walk in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory. <laughs>